Erica Atkins and Katie Rainey. This is Rosé All Day New Year's special. Erica, bring us in. When the bells are ringing horns and the horns all blow and the couples we know. I'm totally making up the words, guys. What are you doing, New Year's? New Year's I feel like that's the intro to a pop song, no? That could be, yeah. I also like made up, like all the lyrics are real, but the order they were in were messed up. But I love that song. But that was like slow and acapella, and I feel like now's where I come in with the Christmas. It's Christmas. But we're on New Year's it's now. New Year's. It's New Year's. <laughs> Wrong holiday. Here but just we a week go. Apart, Here we so go. New Year's. New Year's. New Year's. New Year's. It's the New Year's. Who do you want to kiss? We're gonna talk about that and other things today. I'm not kissing anybody on New Year's Eve. I'm gonna be with my friend Ashley in California, in San Diego. So you're gonna kiss her. I'm gonna kiss on the cheek, maybe. But I mean, I'm literally gonna be with Brian and my best friend since we were 13. And who who, are you gonna kiss? Who do you think I'm going to kiss at midnight? I would kiss your my best friend. That's who I will kiss. Yeah, you're like you're cool, Mm, but I would kiss Brian. I love you. I adore you. We're gonna, you know be non-married for a long time (laughs) actually really funny thing so kicking off this new year's special a couple of weeks ago we're actually we're recording this pre-new year's because at new year's we will be too drunk to record too drunk to record and we're going to be on opposite sides of the country and we will be on opposite sides of the country so we're recording this before so i'm going to tell you this story a few weeks ago at thanksgiving Mm -hmm. when we were down in baltimore um, you know, we're, we're launching Dead Rabbits Press or Dead Rabbits Books, and we've now officially today decided that the second book we're going to publish will be mine. Oh, that's so exciting. The yeah. one you've been working on? Yeah. You have the full thing that I can read? Because I don't think I've... I can, but Brian's making edits, so... Okay. Well, let me... Know. I will give it to you to read. Okay, soon. cool. Good. But so anyway, a few weeks ago, we were talking with his friends down in Baltimore over Thanksgiving, and we are like, they're, three of his friends are getting married, and... Within the next year. So, like, July, September, December weddings. And mm. we're like, holy fuck. How do we get to all those? Because they're all in different states. Great. And we're going to spending spend all this money. Yeah. And do all these things. And we're like, you know what? And we've already been to a number of, like, Are they both- all the grooms? It's the, they're all the grooms, right? All of his friends are the grooms, yeah. That's nice that you don't have to go to the bridal shower. That's, but, yeah. That, yeah. Well, I actually have to go to one because oh, we're, we're good friends with the Okay. But, so... We've been talking because we've been to a number of weddings already for all of our friends. I mean, we're 30-something. And so just right now, weddings are a natural part. And Brian and I don't want to get married. And so we were like, how can we throw a wedding-type party that will benefit our business? Because we're in business together. And a lot of people in this country do not think that's the equivalent of marriage. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the equivalent of marriage. 
Yeah, I've been involved with like variations of business ventures with people before and that. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, we're doing this thing that's essentially us getting married. How do we capitalize on marriage in this country for our business? And so I had the bright idea while I was drinking to be like, we're going to have a civil union at one of our book launches. And I said this and everybody was like, yeah, do it. It's a great like publicity thing it'll get a lot of people to go and whatnot so I was like okay we'll do that and the next day I told his parents about our idea Uh uh-huh and his mom took it a little too far (laughs) she was like what kind of dress are you getting are you gonna invite your parents are you gonna do this and blah 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 and I was like oh my god this has become a wedding so suddenly we're getting married yeah I've already volunteered to be the flower girl yeah so now, officially, Brian and I are apparently getting married without actually getting married, and now I have to throw a wedding. You know I'm already all about this, and I want to be involved with so Every many parts of, of planning. You want to be more involved than I want to be. I want to start a Pinterest board and I don't want that. It's okay if you don't want it. I'll do it for okay. you. Okay. Thank you. I don't want any of that. I and don't. you can show up. Can it be like a rosé-themed wedding? Sure. Since I take nothing about marriage seriously, we can do whatever we want. Listeners, if you have an idea for what I should do for my fake marriage, fake wedding. Yeah, it's a real union, just a fake wedding. We've been in a real union for a real long time. But But now it's like we got to do the thing that we don't want to do. Oh my God, I love weddings. (laughs) (laughs) Erica, what are we drinking? So right now we're drinking, it is called Amble and Chase from France. It's Rosé just from France. Is that like, is that where it comes I don't know. From? We're the wrong people to host this yeah. Rosé. <laughs> we're like, we're there all day anyway. We, we are like, like the what is cheapest wine. and pink on the shelf. So can we, I want to tell the quick story about this Amble and Chase bottle. It is, I believe we actually posted a photo of it the other day, if anybody wants to know more information about it. But it's sourced from the world's most respected wine region. And it's a very actually pretty, like... What, like Wisconsin, I feel like, is where this comes from? I don't know. It's 2017, which seems to be popular right now. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like this beautiful, like, pink and blue and chrome can... And it was actually... Oh, it says it's from Provence, but I just, like, doubt that. Where's Provence? I've never been to France. It's France. Okay. I mean, it says France right under, but, like, I have no... where? I think it's South France. I have to look, but... Okay. So, it was part of a few gifts gifted to me by my supervisor, who is the executive director of my organization, when she went on her three-month sabbatical, which in tomorrow. So, you are no longer... The acting executive director? No, which is like, it's like I've been, I have learned so much doing this, but I'm also like, yeah, bring her back. Like, that's kind of how I miss, like, I really, like, I miss her. And I've also still been doing my job. And my job changed. Like, people came underneath me and took also, away. Also, you missed having a buffer between you and the accountability line or whatever like oh my god yeah it's real i've been really tired all week and i realized it's like part of my body just like releasing like oh yeah because i just went into it and then 
didn't even stop and think about like I'm the kind of person when responsibility comes my way I just take it on and like I don't really stop and worry about it or whatever like it's coming and we gotta just we gotta do this and now that it's like we're starting the process of transitioning back my body is like so that was a big thing you just did and I'm like oh yeah it is so but these cans of rosé we're drinking they were a gift and I realized I had put them in the bottom of my cabinet and I hadn't drank I hadn't drank them yet. And I was like, oh, well, it's the day before. It's kind of appropriate. Yeah, Yeah, like we should drink these on a podcast. And a new year is coming and like, let's do it. Yeah, so it's appropriate. So your gift for becoming the executive director for a while, the acting executive director, is now our closing of the year for the podcast. And you're closing for being the acting executive director. Yeah. So that's a pretty good segue into the New Year's and and what we're doing here and what we're talking about, the New Year's. So what have you learned being the acting executive director? You can tell we've been drinking. We've yeah. been drinking. There's so many words in that title. There's a lot of words. I think I learned, I wasn't sure going into this, if at the end I would still have potentially being an executive director at top of an organization on my list of things I maybe wanted to do in my career. The answer is, Yeah. The guy came out and was being like, yeah, I could do that. And it's interesting because I was doing this and my job. And I was like, oh, yeah, like if it was just my job. But I also understand that in a smaller organization when you're starting it up, you're doing all the jobs. But we've started to grow to a point where, like, mm-hmm. it's a lot to do that and another job. So segueing into another thing I've learned about that, we brought on a lot of people on our staff that they're truly, like, all as amazing as we thought and hoped they would be, and I wouldn't have gotten through this without them. But I've learned, yeah, the staff is, yeah, they're really just as amazing as we hoped they would be, and I couldn't have gotten through it without them, that the board, like, you know, my my supervisor, she always talks about how crucial the board is to helping her run the organization, mm-hmm. how important they are. I've learned a lot about my job is, has especially in the past few years, been a bit of a catch-all there's so many things that are like have been put under my responsibility I mean it's operations and communications and there's just a lot of things that are encompassed in that and even some things that weren't necessarily part of my job to snuck in there because of my background like I have a special events background and that like snuck into my job but we brought in all these people who had like the skill set to take so many of these things out from under me and so it's been interesting to like train all these people while running the organization while making sure they feel like good and I feel like another big thing that I got out of it is just really I feel like often when you you don't understand if you're a supervisor of like a leader of an organization or the mentor to you until you leave like when they're not there anymore and you want to call them and you want to talk to them and ask them questions. I certainly have that relationship. Like both of my supervisors at my last job, I definitely reach out to them all the time to ask them questions. And I wanted to like talk to my supervisor and not think they were like because they're happening at this organization, but because I'm in a leadership role mm-hmm. and I'm at the top of the organization and you're the person who I want to ask. But I can't ask you because you're specifically taking a break from this organization. So I can't ask you because it'll pull you back in. Like, I know if I really needed her, she would have been there. But, like, and it was one or two times where I did need to reach out to her. But, like, I was, it made me realize that she was a mentor to me while I'm still there, which I think might change our relationship a little bit. Mm -hmm. And also make me think more about 
And now that I've been at the top and I've realized it's lonely at the top a little bit, how can I be a better support for her? Mm. And how can I be a person? And I know that I am in some ways that person for her, but like, how can I do it better now having been the other person in the organization to do this? And the other person to become like, a public face for work that I was already doing, but I didn't necessarily have to go out and justify to everybody Mm -hmm. while we were doing this. And so how can I be better at that for her? So it's a rebirth for you. Mm. A a new year for you. Yeah. For those of you who can't see, I'm doing like a whole... A swan dive thing. Like a swan. What is it called when your swan goes up? It's just... Is it a swan dive up? Because it's like downward swan dive. I have no idea. Okay, it's like an upward. I'm doing like a salutation. I've never done synchronized swimming. It's like a sunrise, like salutation kind okay. of thing. Okay, that's what you're doing. Okay, so we're talking about New Year's. What's the best New Year's you've ever had? Oh my god, um, I've had a lot of great New Year's. One in particular that stands out is my friends and I. We did one of those like paid, like party, like kind of thing. It's called Big Night Out, I think, in New York. We- we did this one. I think it's in several big cities, but we did the D.C. one. Okay. Uh, and this was like my first New Year's after working on the dinner cruise that I used to work on for several years in a row. I hadn't had a New Year's all in maybe like four years at that point. And it was like my first New Year's after that. And we went to this party. It was at um, the Gaylord Hotel in National Harbor. And there was just, like, so many rooms and so many different things that you could do. There was, like, the big room with Top 40. There was, like, a hip-hop room. There was a karaoke room. There was a cover band. I love cover bands. Like, it was so good. And I went with two really, like, fun friends to go with. It was an awesome New Year's. But so you were on a cruise, right? No, this was no, no. Cruise. But like, but years before oh, you were yeah. on the cruise. I was working. Were yeah. you hosting like the New Year's? I wasn't hosting it. Like the DJ hosted. I was a cocktail server. I performed, and I made sure people's plates were cleared. And then I usually had like stolen moments, like at midnight. We were. Um, Did you kiss on the cruise ship at midnight? I didn't. No, I was such a rule Lame. follower. Yeah, no, and I. Was you weren't never, allowed to. No, I mean, I probably there were people on the boat who were dating, and like they would kiss at midnight. I just didn't really date anybody at work so one of my best new years i was uh, i was 18 and in belgium so i could drink yes and i was with a lot of hot australian men oh my god oh my god i already love everything about this story (laughs) everything about this story well well, in new year's in belgium in brussels it's like in the in the main town market is essentially like the Times square of new year's in in belgium okay but because it's belgium it's way smaller and like nobody thinks to go do new year's in belgium except for people who love belgium and so like paris and and new york and all these cities are like major crazy cities belgium is like crazy with drunks and like there are actually people who live in the market above like above the giant town square it's like an old school market like Uh where they did market hundreds of years ago and so the square is just like cobblestoned and dirty and beautiful and like very dutch looking because it's more the Dutch part of Belgium than than the French and I spent it 18 with a bunch of hot Australian guys one that I was mm. dating 
Love those those oh. Australians. Oh god, they're so much fun and it's so exciting. And yeah. we were hammered and there were hundreds of people that pack into the market. I'm sure they still do this now. And like people who live above the market are throwing like firecrackers into the crowds and shit. It's like fucked up, but it's also kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And like we were just like crushed against masses of people and it was like a really romantic like iconic New Year's kiss with my hot Australian Jeremy. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, it was like, it was the only like movie scene moment that I think I've ever had where it was just like me and this like long blonde haired like fuck the patriarchy scrawny 18 year old Australian who probably like conservative now like no he he's like been arrested in Australia for 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 like he's like way left wing like but at the time like you know like we would be up to like 4 a.m. on a train listening to Simon and Garfunkel and like I think that's what they we let like that night we stayed in a hostel and you know I was totally enamored with him and like people were spraying champagne on us and like 20 degree weather and see my most memorable new year's kiss isn't like that like like beautiful i don't know if that's my most memorable i think it's just maybe i said that it's my most i think iconic okay i would even say my most iconic kiss is that it was like at a house in like southern virginia at my like friend friend dad annual party I think some people had had some sips of moonshine. Oh, God. I only You know it's going to be a good party, girl. When you brought some moonshine. You get that moonshine in that mason jar. Let's get it out. By, like, that was brought to the party by someone who is likely my third cousin. We haven't confirmed that. But, oh like, God. my dad's family is actually. Are you about to tell me a third cousin? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, that's so funny. But, no. But my, dad, my dad's family is from the same town small town as my friend's husband and her now husband wasn't her husband time for her now now. (laughs) i know i know and so one of his friends grew up across the street from my great aunt okay and is like likely somehow related to me and look like a member of my family but no that's not where the story is going and so so one of my friend's friends who i knew I don't know if we had, like, negotiated that we would be each other's New Year's kiss or we were just, like, standing near each other. I love that. Like, we were just standing near... We might have just been standing near each other and we were, like... Like, we were in the last two minutes and we were, like, hey, you want to kiss? I guess we got to pick each other. Yeah, like, (laughs) uh, you're single, I'm single, so... All right. And, like, we kissed and then he started to, like, deepen the kiss a little bit and I was, like, no, I'm out. I'm not really, like, about all that. And then it came up later after a wedding, like, or maybe it was before that, but something came up where he was like, oh, yeah, Erica and I kissed once. And I literally, without hesitation, went, that's never happening again. Oh, shit. Oh, poor guy. But it was just, like, such a good, like, when you're, like, in the last, like, few minutes of the New Year, then you're like, hey, well, I guess I you guess and I it. are going to kiss. <laughs> you're the guy. <laughs> you're it. I was, like, 20... 20 or 21 I was like all right well let's do it I love that I remember being like 14 13 15 whatever and like looking at someone being like we don't want to be the cool kids who are not in the kiss at the end so 
do you want to do it? Yeah, okay, we'll do it. We'll kiss. And it was like a tiny peck, but it meant everything at the time. I remember one of those. But I think like the most memorable New Year's I had. Last year, Brian and I, Devin was out of town when we were living with our roommate. And we just made a huge Italian like pasta spread. Mm -hmm. And we both really dressed up in the apartment. Like Mm. I was like decked out in heels and he wore his suit. And we sat there and we ate pasta and rang in the New Year's. And it was brilliant. And like I think that's my most memorable New Year's. Not so sweet. Yeah. That was pretty fun. I think, like like I said, like, I've also been to some of those other paid parties, and it wasn't just as much fun. And I think what it really came down to, the two friends who I was with, one is my best friend since college, and another one has been my friend since sophomore year of high school. Mm -hmm. They were just really good people to spend the night with. And it was so much fun. And it was just like, I think it comes down to just spending the night with good people. I had a pretty good New Year's a couple years ago, too. For 2016 and 2017. And again, that just came down to spending the night with some really good people. My like, my One of my worst New Year's was probably a couple of years ago when I was living with a girlfriend of mine. And we went out for New Year's down Lower East Side. We went to like Phoebe's or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think it was like uber depressed. And like we made out with a bunch of random dudes. And I was like, this is not where I want to be within my life. And I think at one point I tripped on my heels and busted open my wool tights and skinned my knee. And the next day I watched Blue is the Warmest Color alone by myself at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And like cried from heartache. <laughs> I think yeah. that was like four years ago. Yeah, I think one of my worst New Year's, which was maybe like 10 years ago, maybe almost exactly 10 years ago, like 2008 into 2009. And then I went to another one of those paid parties, and I don't mind them because it's like an you open... You go to so many of these paid parties. Because it's an open bar, and it gives you a reason to dress up, and like... Fair enough. You don't have to hang out with the same people who you see all year. You could meet new people. Okay. It was terrible. My stomach started hurting, at like 10 or something. And then in that group that I was in, there was really only one person who I knew well, who was a college friend of mine. There was another friend of hers who had been a friend of hers since high school who was really just like missing a guy. And my stomach didn't feel well. I'm sure I also had a crush on someone and that was like influencing my behavior. I can't even remember who it would have been then. But like, no. Oh, yes, I just did. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Who was it? Oh, that's a really long story with, like, a very, like, emotional, sad, and, it, like, we'll have to go into that later. But, so all of this was happening, and, yeah, I just didn't feel well. And my friend was, like, so not understanding about it. And so me and her other friend, like, snuck out. And she, when the rest of the group came back to the hotel, we were staying at a hotel in D.C., they were all being super loud, because they were like, oh, they're the lame ones who snuck out. You know, when you're like, you've been drinking and you're mad mm-hmm. at someone. You're like, I don't care. We're going to be loud and we're going to stomp on everything. And like, da 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 Like, all of this stuff. And I got a lot of passive-aggressive sideswipes over the next, like, few weeks about how, like, I left early. And I did. We left before midnight. That's and lame. 
And like, yeah, oh yeah, no, we were super lame. No, I meant that was lame that they were like stomping and annoying. Because we were trying, I was trying to tell her that I wasn't having a good time. And I remember this guy like coming up to me, and this is not the first or probably the last time ever happened to me in my life, but like doing the like, like, what's a pretty girl like you doing so upset? But then I was like, pretty girls get mad too. (laughs) And sad. And that doesn't mean I have to smile all the time. Oh, God, I tackled that with my students this week. Like, we tackled the rules of being a female in the world. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's a rule that you've come across without prompting them or anything? I said, what's a rule on every day that, like, spoken or unspoken that people say to you when you walk down the street or you, you know, like, you do whatever? And all of them literally at the same time just said, smile. Yeah. Why don't you smile? Hey, go. Why don't you smile? And I, I sat there and unpacked them with that, unpacked that with them. And I was like, "Hey, who, who asked the men you know to smile?" And they were like, "No one." And I was like, "Yeah, fuck smiling." <laughs> I did not say fuck, but I, I kind of did under my breath. And I was like, "Why, why do men do that? Why do they ask us to smile?" And they had a really, like, a lot of like thought provoking answers to that. Can which you I, give me one really good one? Well. You know, a lot was a lot came from women are supposed to be submissive and you know non-threatening, and mm-hmm. so when you're not smiling, you're 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 meant to be non-threatening, right? And so if they ask you to smile, that's because they want you to be non-threatening, and they're they're trying to c- control you essentially mm-hmm. in a sense. Well, it's interesting in, in that class that some of them say, you know, they just want you to be nice or be approachable because obviously not all the students are on on the same level with this kind of thinking and like why someone would ask you to smile and so a few of them were like oh well they just want you to be nice they want you to do x y and z and then other girls sat there and unpacked that for them and they were like they want you to smile because they don't want you to be a threat and they think that you're a threat if you don't smile or they think that you're X, Y, and Z to mm-hmm. their to their personal being. When I hate you it don't when smile. other women, especially older women, tell me that I need to smile. Like that that's, that's an yeah, internalized like, pat- yeah, patriarchy. Like, like, well, yeah. you should smile so you can be pleasant. I'm like, but I don't feel like it right now that's an internalized sexism that we that people do not realize that you're asking other women to smile because of i'm supposed to smile as a lady like that's what it like comes down to there's a lady and as a woman like i'm supposed to smile and i'm supposed to make things pleasant and like and sure i know there are some ways in my life that i've internalized that i credit a lot more of that though to being an older sibling than I do mm-hmm. to being a woman though. I just want everyone to be okay and I want everyone to be happy. But even then, I think I want everybody to be okay, but I know everyone's not gonna be happy all the time. And I'm okay with that. Like we're a human being, but at the end of the day I want everyone to be well, that, okay. Well that that's a question that I posed to my students. I said, Why do you think they want you because I think some of them said they, they expect women to be happy and I said well, do you feel happy all the time? And and all of them were like, no. And I was like, do you have a right to feel unhappy sometimes? And they were like, yes. And I said, okay, then why does a man get to tell you to be happy all the time? And, like, that's the question is that – and that's where they, like, some had answers and some didn't, and they started to fall short. And I I think back half the time to when I was a bartender because that's when I got told to smile – 90% of my life when I was bartending and it was like smile honey smile darling you know smile all this bullshit and 
I, I turned around to those patrons because the ones that I actually liked and who knew me and who knew me as a bartender and wanted me to be their bartender because I was a good bartender and because I had a good conversation with them would never tell me to smile because they, they knew better. Mm-hmm. But the ones who did, who were like new and came in and they were like, smile, darling, whatever, I would turn around and say, if I, if I were a male bartender, would you tell me to smile? And they yeah. would stop, and they would be like, "Uh, uh, uh, well, no, you're not, no, or you're, wouldn't. you're what? You know, I don't want a, I don't want a male bartender." And I'm like, "That's not the question, right? Yeah, like that's right. not the question. And why do you want a female bartender? And I think you need to check that. And if they got really pissed off, then I'd be like, "Fuck you." And I've luckily been privileged to work in bars my entire life where my owners agreed with that and they were fine if I said that to my bartenders like they were fine if I said like go fuck yourself like I don't have to smile because I'm working my ass off here and sweating my ass off here I feel that for way a you. lot yeah I feel that especially like in situations where I am working or assessing or paying attention to things where I'm like no I'm working like I'm yeah. not just gonna like what do I have to smile? This is my focus face. My focus face doesn't have a smile on I'm it. I'm busting my ass for you. Yeah. And, and no matter what we do, smiling is overrated. <laughs> we we shouldn't have to smile is what right. I'm saying. Like we, yeah. if we if we feel sad, we should be allowed to feel sad. And women are apparently not allowed to feel sad. And no. that's what I was talking about with my students. Yeah. How do you, how is it for you after you have like the whole holiday break? Because like. You know, we spend a lot of time with our students and at work, and we both do work where we get into some really, like, heady topics, and it kind of, you go through the fall semester, and you get to a point to end where you're like, oh my god, I need a break. And then you get the break, and then you go back. How is that for you? I mean, that's a real slump. Yeah. I mean, honestly, January and February are real slumps. Mm-hmm. I hang out with a lot of people I love and haven't seen in a while, and so there's just, like, a lot of momentum, and then suddenly you're back and in your daily routine, and it kind of feels like a slump. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think for us, at least with the business and everything, like, we've got a lot to be working towards, and, and in general, I just pour myself into my work. But most friendships and, and like, people I know are kind of, like, in a holiday withdrawal through January. Mm-hmm. And so I tend not to see a lot of people in January because they're just like, oh, I need, like, a break from everyone. Right. And so we, we tend to spend a lot of time at home and end words and just laying low. I we also live in that. an area where the weather is terrible in January. Oh, yeah. So we all hibernate. Straight up, you don't want to go out. Mm-mm. I actually, at one point, at one of, like, my former employers, uh, it was, like, January 2014, maybe, something like that, and one of my coworkers, it, they were new, to, they were still in their first year at the organization, and they were on the phone with another coworker who had taken off through the rest of the week, but there was a program coming up. I used to work at a theater, so, like, there was still programming coming up. And around the show, and I w- I used to sit in front of in front of that coworker who I love very dearly. I don't know if you also his name Ben Weber. He lovely. He has his own podcast. I love Ben Weber. He, he does have his own podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah he's he's and great. he also produces like a few. Like he produces Courtney mm-hmm. Courtney Bodies. He podcast. produces the Teaching Artistry yeah. podcast, which is a great podcast. Yeah, if you're so a teacher. So he was on the phone with another coworker, and I was sitting in front of him like. 
I don't, I, Erica's really mad today. Like, I don't <laughs> think doing well. The other coworker, Renata, Renata Townsend, she goes, yeah, Erica doesn't do well on the return from long vacation. Because <laughs> I was like in front of him, like, oh, I hit everyone. Ask me a question. Ask me a question. Like, I was just very angry. And he was like, oh, <laughs> like he was still getting, he had only been there for like three months. He started in like October. So he was like, oh my God. And I like, I, you know, something that I've learned to do is because I know I feel like that. And in general, when I'm dressed or et cetera is to just be a lot more vocal, not vocal, open about, like, if I'm not doing okay, or be like, just came back from the holidays, had a couple weeks off, so it's going to take a minute for me to transition back in so that everybody doesn't feel like, oh, she's just mad and just mad at me because that's, like, a real thing. I think what's helpful this year is I'm actually gone almost every weekend in January but one this year. Mm. So I actually have to, like, jump right back into it, and I don't really have a lot of time. Well, do you make resolutions after New Year's or for New Year's? I usually make some kind of like focus of something that I want to improve on or maybe like a career goal. I try not to come up with a whole list of resolutions I know I'm not going to keep. A lot of people do no drinking, and I think that will not work That's for our podcast. That's just not realistic. Like, if you're a drinker, <laughs> you're going to drink. Like, uh, obviously, this is not going to be on either of our lists. Nope. As we just Cheers. started a podcast called Rose Day All Day anyway. So, I'm like, that's not a real thing. I'll probably focus on some better eating for the first, like, few months. Kind of like well, help. you've been talking for years about running with me. You never text me and tell me when you're running. Do you actually want to go running with me? Yes, but we have to go really slow. That's fine. I go really slow. Anyway. I used I'm to, not like a. I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner either. I used to like go running quite a bit, and it is one of the exercises where I actually like get in better shape. But you never tell me when you go. Run. You have to tell me when you when you're going running. Fair enough. Because I'm not going to be like Katie. I want to go running. Because like, I'm more of like a. Uh, a kickboxing dance class yoga person. So like, I'll go. But, but you... see, I want to do that. You've been saying you'd invite me to your your okay, gym. Okay, so to go we already have two Rumba. resolutions. I want to try it. We have two resolutions so far. That you need to let me know when you're going running. Okay. When you're going running, and I'll go with you. We literally live five blocks from each right, other. Right. So we can do that. Yeah. And another is that I need to be better. I know I only have so many guest passes, but there's another teacher who I loved who used to be at my gym, who teaches the, who stopped teaching at the gym, but he still does dance classes in Midtown. And I'm like, I need to go, I need to go, I need to go, because I love his classes so much. So I will make sure that I invite you to at least one class. If it is a Backstreet Boys dance class, I'm in. You're actually very close. He So he loves early 2000s music. So, mm. like, we've learned, like, Backstreet Back, we'll get maybe along. One More Time. We did that Danny D. Kane song. Do, do you got a first aid kit handy? Do you remember that song? I have no idea what that yes, song is. Yes, you do. My heart is damaged, 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 damaged. I thought that I should let you know. That was a very popular know. song. Still don't know. I know a lot of our listeners are going to be like, oh, how you gotta fix it? It was a very popular song. It actually came out around the same time at the 2008 election. And I attributed that song to Obama. And I'd be like, my country's damaged. How are you going to fix it? <laughs> fix it. 
fix it. Uh, <laughs> and that should be his campaign song. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I don't think that I've actually ever made a New Year's resolution, to be honest. Have you? Like, you, I you, lost a bunch of weight one year. Let's so go. you actually, like, see, I just, like, if I'm trying to lose weight or if I'm trying to do whatever, which I, at 5'2 and 130 pounds, just in my weight, feel slightly overweight right now. But normally I just, like, but I'm 5'2, Erica. You're taller than I am. I'm Don't look at me like four, that. I'm 5'4 and I weigh, like, 30 more pounds than I did two years ago. Okay. Well, I'm, like, I'm just, I, I generally just at this point realize that I fluctuate 20 pounds, give or take. Sure. And so I just try to watch it. And like if I'm being healthier, then I weigh less and I have more. Well, no, I actually weigh like around 125 pounds because I have more muscle. But right now. That's I, the thing. Yeah. I am actually very muscular and I always have to take that into account. Like people will be like, they'll hear my weight and they're like, ooh, you must be whatever. And I'm like, no, I grew up playing sports my whole life. I have a ton of muscle mass like and dancing. It's just like never gonna go away. But I you know, like I think I when I did when I was younger I I set resolutions like that and that's kind of bullshit. Like I just like yeah. I feel like it's like whatever works for your body at this point. And I think also as a writer I tried to set word counts and stuff, but that didn't really work for me. I set some career goals. You know what? I have set career goals uh three years ago. Mm-hmm. It was my goal to, I was, I knew I was finishing grad school that year, and it was my goal to be a director within three years. Now, it happened that year, <laughs> but like and that. And also this year. Well, yeah, then. What, well, executive director. Uh, yeah, <laughs> acting executive director. But again, that was like another goal that I had set for myself, like by my late 30s. That, like, sometimes things happen faster. So I do tend to, like, have goals for myself. And sometimes they are attached to time. Because, you know, you want smart goals. What are smart goals, you might ask people? Smart goals are goals that are specific, measurable, action-oriented. You sound like you're selling arts education. Realistic (laughs) and time-sensitive. So when I set goals, I need to say within this amount of time I want this to it's happen. It's just like have this rubric lined up. It was like you looked at me. Oh no, yeah, I used to teach it. Yeah, I used to run an intern program. Okay. Yeah, and that was the thing we taught, and that's a smart goal. I, I don't know. I don't think I believe in New Year's resolutions. I think that's dumb. I think that if you just really strongly want to do something, it doesn't matter the time. And I think if you're waiting for New Year's, then it's just a term like it's like a form of procrastination but do you think there's something to be able to say that you did it by the end of the year though that like that's what I mean by time sensitive sure because of capitalism we say like oh by the end of this year we've raised x amount or we've done x y and z or we've been able to do and so because of capitalism we are able to to put things by a timetable but I don't necessarily believe in that but would you say that maybe you said to yourself I would like to finish the first draft of my novel by the end of this year I said two and a half years ago when I started the novel that I'm writing now Mm -hmm. and I have finished it and Mm -hmm. I finished it last May I finished the first draft um, and then I I set it aside because for writers you have to set things aside and then revisit them and I probably revisited it a little too soon I did in October Mm -hmm. and I edited it um but I said to myself that I, like, initially in the first draft, I thought it was going to be a 50,000-word thing. And, like, I know this doesn't really mean 
bullshit to like half the people listening and even to you, you're just like looking at me. But so I said I was going to write a 50,000 word novel and that was two and a half years ago and it is now 140,000 words and way surpassed the limit and the word counts and everything. And so when I finally, like a year and a half ago, I was like, okay, I'm not writing a 50,000 word thing. I'm writing a much longer thing and I'm just not going to beholden myself to anything and then I finished it in May and I wrote pretty regularly I wrote at least 500 words a day you know some days like holidays and stuff and Mm -hmm. like things like that like I had to take off but I finished it in May and then I said I'm not gonna look at it until October and then October 1st I did look at it that's my birthday sorry that's a segue but continue and I started rereading it and I really loved what I had written and I edited it and then I gave it to my partner, and now that he's reading it, he's like a hundred or so pages in, I'm realizing that I probably didn't give enough time in between editing it or letting it sit and mm-hmm. then revisiting it. So that was probably me expediting the process because it was a novel that I was really excited about. And he's mentioned some things already that I'm like, oh shit, like I should have finished, like I should have fix that or I know that I could do that better and so I've gotten some ideas since someone else is reading it but at the same time I probably could have let it sit and been patient with it so that's the thing I I think we don't talk about enough is being patient with things like even patient with weight loss or patient with I don't know like making friends or being whatever I don't know yeah I mean I definitely hear you on the patient part I do think there's an element of like just like the like the thing again, I used to teach a workshop on goals. The thing that I always used to say is it's good to set these things within your goals, but your goals change. Things happen in your life, and that's fine. Adjust, adjust. Some of your goals might be things that you can't even do a timetable for. Maybe you know, like one of my apprentices was older and had just gotten married. And knew she wanted to have a baby within the next few years. You don't know when that's really going to happen. Hmm. You can't really plan. But you can try, but you don't know. So you know that all your other career goals are going to be flexible around the fact that any point within the next five years, a baby may show up. And then you have to put things on hold for a few months. And I was like, and that's fine. I remember one of the goals I shared with them was that I wanted to go to grad school. And I, at the time, I wanted to go to Columbia NYU and to get my arts administration master's. And then I got a job at an organization that a lot of people would kill to work at. And I was like, well, I really don't want to take classes in person, I don't think, because the program's going to take me longer. I'm going to have to negotiate my work schedule. Or in some of these programs, leave my job. And this mm-hmm. is a job that people go to my program and hope to get at least a job at this organization, if not my specific job, but they want to work at this organization. And I'm already here. So why would I leave? So I was like, I did, looked at online programs. I ended up getting my master's from an online program. I changed my goal. And that's fine. But know what they are and say them to people. I said this yesterday to students at the organization. We do Saturday master classes. And a lot of our high school students were sharing their goal. And I was like, tell people that these are your goals. Because you never know who's going to be like, I could actually help you with that. 
what people will say when they see you. Oh, you wanted to do blah, blah, blah. How's that going? And you can say you changed it or be like, oh, this happened and this happened. And be like, is that a goal you're still interested in? I've actually met someone and I thought of you. Like, say them. So I, I think that's kind of my thing with resolution, right? Resolutions are just goal. And you're just putting a certain time period on it that you wanted to happen this year. And it might change. And that's cool. Because that's what we call life. No, but so sometimes goals feel very capitalistic and feel very like we have to adhere to a certain... I mean, like, this is... We have never said on the outset of this podcast that we were a feminist podcast, but that's what this is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. So I feel certain goals are adhering to a patriarchal standard of goals and like what as as a white person working in a nonprofit sector... I often hear from people of color that we are adhering to certain like white dominant culture, white dominant culture in the nonprofit, right? Like Mm -hmm. in terms of timetables, in terms of who you're dealing with. And so I think a lot about how that translates into sexism and how does us creating goals or us feeling like we're inadequate when we're writing our novel or doing our musical or, or making our play and like how does that not adhere to the patriarchal system and what mm-hmm. in which we're working with and i understand like in a capitalistic system you, you have to produce very quickly and you have to produce well and you have to produce like in a bombastic way like as a person who runs a press i very much understand that and i i, I understand the the way in which we need to produce constantly and put it outward facing and make our thing ourselves marketable Mm-hmm. But how do you also combat that as a person who's just trying to live day to day and not feel susceptible to a capitalistic system and and feel I mean capitalism is white and is patriarchal, right? Mm-hmm. So we're battling up against these two systems set in place by two dominant categories. So how do we meet these goals? You know, I think that, like, removing the very real white patriarchy, humans have always been ambitious. And they've always, there have always been people, not necessarily everybody. My grandma actually once posed a question to me. Well, what's wrong with someone just wanting to be happy? And I was like, what? And my grandma was like, some people, like, just want to be happy. And I was like, I get, I get, I get, I guess that's a fair point, grandma. But there have always been people who want more. And who want to do specific things. So this is not necessarily something that is specific to the white patriarchy, but the way in which we go about it and goals and et cetera is very, like, very much part of, like, the measurement in the white patriarchal society that we live in. But there's a middle ground. I think there's nothing wrong with knowing what you want. And if you want it to happen by the end of this year, that's fine. But like I was saying before, being flexible to life happens. Things happen, and sometimes you have to adjust. Like that, I think that's always been a big thing to me. I've talked earlier about some goals that happened for me years before they meant to happen, and I actually had a little bit of a crisis when a goal happened about three to four years earlier than I thought it would. And I was like, "What am I gonna do now?" Because I was supposed to spend the next three years working up to this goal, mm. and I, I had to like open up my mind and be like, 
well, maybe I want to do this, or maybe I want to do that. And what ended up happening with like a lot of volunteerism within the field that we work ended up filling that gap. And, I, and then I was very busy again. I was like, I can't take on anything else. But like some of my other interests, I had also thought about what do I want to teach grad classes now or like how I had thought about several things. So I had, in addition, I think you can kind of think of goals as a little bit more of a fluent thing. You know what you want to do. There's nothing wrong with knowing what you want to do and telling other people what you want to do because other people can help you get there, right? And even if you want to, putting a time on it that so that you're like, I have an idea of like, these are the things I have to do to do it by this time. But also knowing life happens, goals happen earlier. Sometimes things just line up where you're like, oh crap, this happened way earlier than I thought it would. What now? You might have a child you weren't expecting to. Something might happen in your family that forces you to move back home. You might get married. Things happen. That like I feel like my whole life trajectory is very much based on the fact that I am never getting married. But I think okay, so like I think what you just brought up those points about being like married, maybe you get married later, or maybe you have a child later. I think those are all reasonable goals that can be pushed back a little if you actually think about it. It may be hard for some people, but I think they actually can be pushed back, right? Like you can have a baby at 40. You can get married at, at 40. But all or those even goals later, step like, into your other goals though. Do you know what I mean? Especially the woman, right? If you have a baby earlier than you thought you were going to, you might have said in my career, I've seen this happen all the time to women, that I'm going to do A, B, and C by the time that I'm 40. I had a baby, Oh no. And now I realize I want to be a totally different kind of mom than I thought I wanted to be. I want to stay at home for two years. That's true. Readjust. Readjust. Like I think that's the whole thing to me with goals. You might set goals that are time measurable, think they're specific. Readjust. And to me that's the middle compromise that like or or guess what? You don't want to do that anymore. That's mm-hmm. fine too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes and Yay, yes and. Yes and. <laughs> no, I very much hear what you're you're saying and I think that's super valuable. I think like I obviously think you can be a mom well into your 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. You can be a mom at 70. You can adopt. Like I I'm not questioning any of mm-hmm. that. And I'm not questioning when you can get married. You can get married because marriage doesn't depend on biology, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And this is only like, I, you know, in, in terms of having a baby, I'm only speaking in terms of biology. Like you can adopt at any point. You can be a foster mom at any point. I hope to adopt at some point. I never want to be a biological mother. mother. I hope to adopt. But what I'm really talking about is concrete goals in terms of business because this is a real thing that I've faced in terms of a woman running my own business Mm -hmm. it's very hard like capitalism capitalism is real patriarchy is Mm -hmm. patriarchy is real white supremacy is real Mm -hmm. like all these things are very real so like in a capitalistic society how how do we feel comfortable with ourselves knowing that it takes a very long time to grow and it takes a lot of work and if you're not hitting those day-to-day targets like for me for a press there are so many things I have to do right like I have to be posting on Instagram Twitter Facebook Litzy Reddit 
constantly. Mm-hmm. And and people, some some people listening to this podcast might be like, what the fuck is Litzy? Yeah, like, what the fuck is Litzy? Like, you don't know, right? <laughs> like, these are things that you have to discover with research. And so what, how do I feel comfortable with myself against this capitalistic monolith knowing that what I'm doing day to day is good and okay and like because we measure against such extreme rubrics of like how many followers you have how many friends you have on Facebook how many litzy influence for those of you who actually do know what litzy is how many reddit upvotes we have how do we know that we're doing good work and feeling okay in this capitalistic society in this new year even when we don't hit our marks i think we are i'm literally won- asking you as somebody who's facing this yeah i mean i think we as people who work in nonprofit, already know it's about like the influence that we have and the lives that we touch and like Maybe you didn't get as many students as you wanted at X, but oh my God, the students who came got had so much fun and got so much that's out true. of it. And like that, that's the thing. And so what you need to be really good at, which is something that women are naturally better at, is telling the story. You know what? No, I didn't make that particular marker. But I'm going to tell you the story of the influence I've had and what I've done. There's actually a really interesting video from Vox that I watched during the 2016 election. It was like that summer, fall. And what it was saying, was they did had done a lot of research. There was another article that came out in the New York Times around the same time as well, where both the person who was putting together that Vox video, the journalist who was doing that, and the journalist who had shadowed Hillary Clinton for a few weeks, were like, her strength is in communicating like one-on-one with people. She's not necessarily the best at speaking on stage and doing certain things that we actually attribute to. If a man were to do it, we say with a strength. Like, I actually think she had a pretty good speech at the DNC, but it is very forceful and very, like, yada, yada, yada. If Barack Obama, Joe Biden, like, if any of them had done it, we would have been like, that was amazing. But people would have issued with a woman speaking like that forcefully but where people felt most connected with her was when she was talking to them one-on-one and she was able to piece together she apparently used to keep post-it and then piece together parts of people's stories and then frame it in a policy and that is typically a strength of women listening listening to stories talking to people one-on-one intuitively understanding what people need and so if you can lean into that strength I recognize we are in a capitalist society and not saying, because you can't necessarily be like, screw the followers, right? Because that's not the world that we live Mm -hmm. in and you do need to be able to say that. But make sure you have your narrative back up because that's like, like I'm really good at telling that story. And no, maybe I didn't hit the numbers I wanted to, but I'm going to tell you the story of one or two people who are actually really influenced by that Or maybe for you, being able to talk about like the specific people who you are publishing, their stories, the stories that you're putting out there. How are people connecting with it and working with it? Because not everybody's a number person, male or female. Not everybody's a number person. And I think think there's a middle ground. I think there's a middle ground and that everybody's somewhere else. And it is a real struggle. And once that's like a goal-oriented society, I totally get it. 
I do thrive knowing that I have something I'm working towards, but I know that I can change it. I know that life changes. To me, it comes down to being able to articulate why that is and really leaning into my narrative and having a clear understanding of what my narrative is or what my organization's narrative is or what somebody else is, knowing several people's stories that I can tell. You notice a lot of in the nonprofit world, and I see this happening in the corporate world too, a lot of organizations that are run by women are really good at telling their stories. Yes. Yeah, because that's what we do. That's what we. That's what women are really good at. I think that's that's where capitalism is failing in ways, and like we we think because we live in this capitalistic society like America that is such a major corporation. I mean, America is a corporation. Mm-hmm. So how do we actually thrive in that? And I think actually people are returning to stories, like you said, like women and people. I think people in general, it's not just women, it's not just non-binary people or anybody, is are there there we're all returning to stories in yeah. a major way. And why is that? Yeah, I think people are returning to stories, but to your point, I think that women have a certain specialty. We never left it. Like we're not returning to it. We've always just been Fair here. Enough. Why? But, I think, I think I said it in the last podcast. It goes back to like women have always connected with each other through storytelling, and talk, when we're talking about female friendship, this is how we connect to each other. And so it's no wonder that like we've always we've always just lived there. And you notice a lot of the corporations who have have had female leaders take over, they're a lot more interested. They're not not interested in the numbers because they know how this thing works, but they want their organization to be able, or their company to be able to tell a certain story. Mm. I think it's kind of a pushback against everything that's happening right now that there is like such a such a major wave and a major pushback of the white male patriarchy in 2018, 2017, 2016, and one of the ways that people like push back a little bit against it, not a little bit, a lot of it actually, is their story and humanity and like this is who we are and most of us actually lean on the side of humanity. Although I did see, I didn't actually press to see what the article was, but I saw a headline pop up on my Apple News the other day that was saying that Trump leaned the lot like Obama before him. Trump leaned the lot on human emotions, hmm. and I was like, "Ooh!" I think mm. a lot of humans lean on human emotions, and, and they yeah. just don't say it. Yeah, and I think there was some other people who ran for president before, who were president, who were a bit more like, "These are the numbers. This is the fact. This is what's happening." But for sure, like the last two presidents we had, for better or worse, have really tapped into like, what do people want or need? And successful presidential candidate, right? Hillary didn't really swerve towards human emotion until towards the yeah, end of her campaign. But, okay. but she didn't come up in that world, though. Like, to me, I feel like the wolves changed as soon as she ran for president. And she was like, what? So, in this last part, we had to get another rosé because we had We drank through the other rosé. We drank through it because it's rosé all day anyways. We are now... Off to Woodchuck Hard Cider Rosé, which my friend George was like, yuck. And I actually don't think is bad. Look, but it's yeah. pink. It's pink color is fucking. It's a pink can. The can is look, But look at this color. That is ridiculous. I'm, I'm going to pour less in my glass than you did. I want to see how much I like it first. 
And so I'll say in that 30-second cut there, which no one here heard, but I'm telling you there was a cut, that Erica had to text her unnamed boo (laughs) and say, we're wrapping up the podcast, and if you want to come over, come over. And he can come over. We will not say his name, but... He's your friend. Like, that's why that came up. Yeah, I know who it is. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that we have at least progressed into the second podcast of you saying that you are dating someone. Mm -hmm. You will not say his name. Eventually, we will drag it out of her and make her have produce him on the podcast. It depends on whether he wants to be, I don't know, identified or not. He'll be on here. (laughs) I'm sure he will. I think you're very right. I'm sure he will. (laughs) Yeah. So... Ooh, the woodchuck is much sweeter than the last two rosés I feel like I've had so much rosé, though, that nothing matters anymore. This one, but it's a hard cider and a rosé, and so it's much sweeter than the last two. I'm legit not tasting it at this point. Did you just pour it into your rosé? No, no, no. I finished the rosé, and then I poured it Okay, okay. Oh, my God. I should have done that. That might have been, like, a really interesting mix. It probably would have been better. The woodchuck is... Way sweeter <laughs> than the than the other roses that we've had. So we've we've talked about resolutions. We've talked about coming down from the holidays, and and we've talked about best and worst New Years. And then we actually had a pretty good conversation around resolutions and goals and how that kind of fits into you as we're always trying to figure out the white patriarchy in which we live in, and are we giving into it or? Is, is there something in the middle for us? I feel like that's actually the title of this show, White Patriarchy All Day. <laughs> white Patriarchy. White pa- We're going to drink rosé all day anyway because of the white patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the tagline to this show is because we keep coming back to the white patriarchy, right? It's true. It's true. What does, like, old lang sign mean? I don't know. I can Google it. The actually The actual New Year's song. I'll hum it while I look it up. Actually, I probably know some of the words. All acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind. Will all acquaintance be forgot? Oh, it's a Scottish language poem. My friend Judith would be super excited about it. She gave me a whole lecture via t- text message about the Scott the other day. How did my voice sound? I feel like I was like in it because of the wine and because we have a mic. Katie, you sound like an angel. Like an angel. You sound like an angel. Maybe an angel just had a bunch of rosé, but <laughs> an angel that had a not shit an ton of rosé. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Um, it's a fair superstition to attribute the... Okay, that's not important information. I'm trying okay. to find a lyric. Here's you the thing. If we're, if, we're, if we're doing old acquaintances Ooh. being forgiven, Ooh. which is what I interpret the song to being, <laughs> if we're going to give an old acquaintance and we're going to forgive them and we're going to celebrate them in the new year, who, who would you choose? I don't know. I feel like I did that a couple years ago. A few years ago. 
No, we got to do that now. I know, I know. I'm trying to think of who I would forgive this year. You know what? You want me to go? You know, they're, they're the man who I do feel like this year I kind of have like, just let it go. I think the fact that I let some of that go has allowed me to move into other things. But I just I just let it go. I'm not going to say his name, but I, I'll let it go. I'll let it all go. I haven't talked to him in years. Mine's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this. I haven't spoken to this person in a number of years for a specific reason. But in the new year, I'll I'll... I've I've tried in the last few years to let it go and and this year I think my resolution is to let it go better. <laughs> oh, so you do have a resolution though. This I think I think my resolution okay. is to let this go in a better way than I have before. Okay. In a way that's more full? Yeah. That's my new year's resolution. I think that's amazing. I think somewhat in a similar vein, I think where I end the year and transition into the new year with is the importance of personal relationship. I've always known this, but in this past year or two, it's really hit me how important those relationships are to getting you through things. And interestingly, as Katie mentioned, I am in fact willing to admit that I'm dating someone. And that happened right about the time but uh, that I started becoming acting executive director mm-hmm. and we know i was like totally i'm not gonna see anybody for three months and I, then it happened but then it happened because, when, when you weren't looking for it but literally our first date was on the day the first day of the of the sabbatical and i think it like forced me out of like being ready to totally bury myself in the work so i think that's a thing is that you have to also just open yourself to looking for opportunities but not necessarily looking for them just be like i'm open but i'm not sitting here looking for them and i think it's a huge maturity thing for me that i didn't automatically try to control the situation and be like i don't have time for this i'm shutting it down which is totally what i would have maybe done like three years ago 100 percent. and i was just kind of like i don't know let's see what happens and then this is a really nice person and this is a really cool person um, let's just see what happens and so I think that going into the new year just continuing to like value my personal relationship and even though I'm very a career and goal oriented person in this patriarchal society and part of it is as a person of color the way you succeed is deciding to be very like goal oriented that's one of the ways that you can succeed as a person of color in this white patriarchal society. Being like, oh yeah, personal relationship that make you happy. Oh, and and just thinking about how that affects all the other relationships in my life, and she's really working toward trying to find that balance throughout the course of twenty nineteen. Literally, what makes you happy in your relationship? I mean, like. Even if you're not at your word count or not at your weight limit or whatever, the people who surround you, like Erica, I could literally be myself around you at all times. I could same, same, yeah. We almost cried on this podcast together tonight, <laughs> like at least like three times. I'm not <laughs> totally sure that once we sign off, 
Like we're that not we gonna like cry. go to the bathroom and then cry and then maybe watch Netflix. Like that, I'm not sure that's, that all those that's things pretty are gonna much happen. Is what's yeah, gonna what's happen. gonna happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like surrounding yourself with the people that you can be your realist with. Mm-hmm. Like I could sit here and like we could turn off the podcast and I could just start crying and you'd be like, "That's okay. I'm gonna drink my rosé and that rhymed and that's okay. All of that just rhymed." <laughs> I'm fucking brilliant. I kind of want to like end the podcast with a song, but I, I like, want you to end the podcast. I know. With a song. I'm trying to like think of like a really good song. I mean, I think you need to sing the New Year's song. Do you want me to go back to the What Are You Doing New Year's Eve song? I think you need to sing the actual New Year's song. What's the actual New Year's song? Oh, is it Old Lady Song? Let old acquaintance be forgotten. Blah, 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 blah. old acquaintance right. be forgotten. And something old lang syne. You can wrap up the podcast, Katie. I'll keep humming. 